Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, ejected from its home world, and aired live every week, only on the Non-Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio, as always, by Ken and Pete. Hey. Hello. Welcome, humans. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, Near Mint is celebrating The Man of Steel by covering all things Superman. Fresh off Action Comics 1000, it's high time we look into some of our favorite stories from The Last Son of Krypton. This episode, we have a very interesting take. We're doing Elseworlds books. Uh, In fact, we're doing two different periods of Elseworlds books featuring Superman. Uh, Ken, do you have the two titles? Would you like to read us through uh, the first title? Yeah, we covering today Superman Red Sun. And Pete? Speeding Bullets. Speeding Bullets and Red Sun. Both come incredibly highly recommended. Uh, I think Red Sun is actually listed amongst a lot of comic book reviewers' uh, best Superman story, which is pretty incredible for me. Yeah. Uh, I have not actually read, I don't think I've read either of those before this this podcast review. Speeding Bullet sounds vaguely familiar, and I think I read maybe the first chapter of Red Sun, but that's it. I had read Speeding Bullets years ago when it first came out. I think it was like around 93 or 94. Yeah, I, I bought Speeding Bullets when it first came out. Uh, going back and rereading it, I'm not sure I read the whole thing. Yeah, really? That, that's a similar place where I'm coming at. Like, I I, kn- I knew the story points of Speeding Bullets, <clears throat> and I vaguely remembered some of it, but not enough for me to say that I actually read the whole thing, although I could have been super young. Yeah, I, I feel like as, as a young teenager picking that up, I, uh, I was like, I don't know, a lot of this... Uh, very dense wordplay is not interesting to me. <laughs> so let's give you the little background. First of all, let's give you a, an opening background on what Elseworlds are, for those of you who have no idea. Elseworlds are DC's attempt to tell alternate reality stories with their mainline characters. Typically, it's the most important characters in their in their repertoire, with mm-hmm. some sort of background element changed or tweaked in some way so they could tell this fantastic story uh, where, as in the case of Speeding Bullets, what if young baby Kal-El from Krypton was not found and raised by Martha and Jonathan Kent, but instead by Martha and, and Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Wayne? This is probably a legendary Elseworlds. I think it's fair enough to say that. I still stand mm-hmm. by that it's probably... With maybe the exception of Island Davis's The Nail right. as my favorite Elseworlds book. Really? Yeah. You, you remember that Kingdom Come is Elseworlds? Debatable. No, it's Elseworlds. Well, originally, it, was it? It, it uh, had the Elseworlds imprint. I, I forgot if it was later on that they actually yeah. added it to the printings. No, it was Elseworlds, but it was, uh, it was later in, introduced into canon. Gotcha. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. That, that rarely does happen. Some things that are such uh, hits in an Elseworlds book end up becoming a canon mm-hmm. storyline in, in the DC multiverse. Um, this So Speeding Bullets, which is our, the older book, you said it was 93 it came out? It was either 93 or 94, I believe. Yeah. Speeding Bullets was written by J.M. DiMatteis and illustrated by Eduardo Barreto. So here's the thing. I want to go right into this. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed this story. This is, again, a legendary Elseworlds story of what if Superman were Batman. Uh, there are certain bullet points from this thing that have been... I remember being whispered 
in comic shops as kids. Really? We were like, yeah, people were like, you don't know, get this. So I got full spoiler alerts, this is a full review show um, for both books we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the, the, the premise that what if young Bruce Wayne, who is actually an alien from Krypton and has superpowers, witnesses his parents' death, and he's so enraged by it, he kills the guy who did it. And that affects the way he seeks justice in the future because it's not like he uh, you know, he immediately took bloody revenge and that changes the Batman dynamic. Like, I remember the whisper talk of these panels and how <clears throat> brutal and gruesome they were. I vaguely remember something to that extent. Um, I also remember saying, man, imagine what it would have been like if Kal-El had wound up in the Marvel Universe and raised in Hell's Kitchen. And became the Punisher. Yeah, a lot of things in in this time were trying to it was turn that, people into the Punisher. It was that extreme era for comics in the nineties. Exactly, it was nineties extreme, and yes, that this is very much a product of the nineties. And I never, I, in the legendary whispered talks of this book, I guess I somehow divorced it from the time it was made. So when I came back to review it and read it this time, I'm like, oh man, there's a lot of like grim dark. Yeah. rage in this book that I'm not quite feeling. I'm kind of amazed that he doesn't pull anybody's spine out. <laughs> yes, uh, and he has limited pouches on his clothing. There are some <laughs> interesting things that they, they do here. Uh, the narrative device of... Uh, I mean, well, let's go back. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of exposition about the upbringing of of Bruce, I guess quote-unquote Bruce. Mm-hmm. It's and Bruce, then, that's his name. Uh, yeah. Getting coddled by his mom and then getting the stern um, scientific stuff from his dad, like to be righteous and everything else, to a degree. Um, but the murder in the alley, so it, it's like that big moment in my eyes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because like it, it's kind of like you you wondered like if things were different with him. You know, if there was a, if there was a way for him to exact kind of revenge early on how his life would take place and i actually enjoyed that it this it, so this is our superman review uh uh, uh series um on near men and i think it's best to look at this book in light of that and what i like about speeding bullets is that it brings up a interesting question of and both these books both the books we picked for this this chapter this episode bring up the question of what makes superman superman is it just the superpowers and the you know down home kind of upbringing, or is it like what? What are the questions? What makes Superman Superman, and why? And when does Superman tip over into being like something that's terrifying and scary? And this is does it very early on. It's giving him immediately the chance to exact revenge instead of justice. I, you know what? But I'll debate that a little too because one of the things about traditional Superman is his parents and how he was raised. In the beginning, we kind of got that he had a fairly balanced life. It's just that he was a spoiled rich kid growing up. In right. This. So for him to murder Joe Chill, it wasn't like that's not Superman. And it, it actually, personally, I don't think it has anything to do with the upbringing too if you're going to bring that into it. Yeah, and um, just to put aside, brutally murder Joe Chill. I mean, the panels that that cover uh, the the moment where crying Bruce decides to, or not even decides, it's not a decision. Yeah, yeah. The, the impulse. Is I I really be- think the artwork for this book is perfect. I love the darkness. I love the shadows. That, that, I think it captured our things very well. Unleashing the heat vision on uh, on Joe Chill is very reminiscent of the scenes you see in Marvel with Cyclops first manifesting his powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you my thing on this, and 
my take on how this explores Superman and his identity. For me, it's very, very difficult to read this as a Superman story. Yeah. This feels so much more to me as an alternate Batman story. This is if Batman had powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is um, kind of understandable from a historical point of view in mm-hmm. terms of Elseworlds books. Because I think I've mentioned this before, but Speeding Bullets is technically the first non-Batman branded Elseworlds story. And on the cover of the book, it's it's effectively Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it said it's logo. got the big Superman logo on it. Right. Uh, uh, on the top, but this is this is very much a Batman book. What if Batman had Superman's powers? Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I think Ken makes a good point, and both of you actually make a, a, a good point. I'm not suggesting that and you have to kind of take it for granted because you never really get a lot of window into Bruce's upbringing. You know he loves his mm. parents, and that's pretty much all you get in Batman stories generally. Uh, in this, we get a little bit more detail that Thomas that 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 Martha was more. Uh, Caring, nurturing. Caring, nurturing. And Thomas, although he loved him, also was more about, like, I'm going to fine-tune your your mind. And I don't feel like that affects who Superman becomes. I think what really affects him is a much more fundamental question. I, I believe the conceit in the book is that this little kid is effectively the same as Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. up until the point when, given the ability to exact revenge... He spits hot fire out of his eyes and right. destroys the person who has and, wronged him. And that is, but that is a Superman that is question. Piv- that is the pivotal moment. You're right. And I, and I think that is the Superman question because this, the ultimate question for any superpowered individual is like, it, who watches the Watchmen? Right. What do I do with these powers? Yeah. If you're ultimately powerful, and Superman often is ultimately powerful, and in this case, even if he's not like the penult- you know, even if he's the, the most powerful creature, in the, he's the most powerful creature in the in the story. Uh, if you're that powerful and you're not subject to the laws of man, <laughs> effectively, uh, what reigns you in? What stops you from being a, a villainous Superman? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we kind of get that in this towards the end, though, too. Oh, we definitely <laughs> get this. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, um, the narration in the beginning, was it just me? Because I forgot who narrated this book because it's been a while. Um was I alone in, in assuming that in the beginning it was Alfred telling the story? I also thought it was Alfred. I, I did first read that until the voice started. I, I think you're meant to have that nebulous kind of feel until they start mentioning Alfred in the third person. Yeah, and because uh, there, there was a one moment, too, that I loved, even though it's still basically a Batman thing of the back and forth with, with Bruce. I'm going to just keep saying Bruce in air quotes the whole, <laughs> the whole time now. Um, and Alfred... Where Alfred's questioning if he was a good parent, right? Like there were moments like that where I love, but that you're right, but that's mm-hmm. mostly a Batman thing and not Superman. Yeah. I think the uh, I think the spinning from the, that pivotal moment you talked about, Frank. I think it's very interesting to see the actual reaction, the change in reaction, the heat vision and the power changes in him. Batman, Bruce Wayne in our reality, goes out into the world. Right. He tries to better himself. He tries to hone himself into the perfect weapon. This Bruce has seen that he already has the ultimate weapon and withdraws from the world. Right. That's that other classic Superman uh, nature of withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which I think is often, uh, I think it's an accurate vision of what a super a person who is so beyond everyone around him what they might do uh is withdrawal which is uh, it may be hard to 
hard to guess yeah. at, like hard to think of, but like it, it does, it it tracks. Yeah, it's weird changing the the ultimate question in Bruce's mind, or th- that inciting question in Bruce's mind, which it was, which had been normally, what if I could have done something to save my parents? Mm-hmm. This one now is, oh, I could have saved my parents. Why didn't I? Right. Which actually brings up a real creepy thing, too, that I kind of got weirded out by. When he withdraws, you remember where he goes to withdraw and, and feel and feel something? He created a shrine oh, the in the basement shrine. of yeah. all the murders in yeah. Gotham that he reflects on. That That is one of the, I think, probably one of the creepier uh, visions in this book that I did not remember from a, a, a kid. I think you have to be a little older to realize that's not right. You should not, <laughs> you should not just have wallpaper your room with uh, and that's, like, true crime photos. I kind of see that as a Batman and Superman thing of actually beating yourself up yeah. periodically of all the all the things that you could have done and not and not taken care of. Right. So where for me the story starts to fall apart is right after those big bullet points, those big heavy-handed story points of uh, of the question of what it means to be Superman, which happens pretty early in the book, and that is the withdrawal part. Uh, Everything that happens when the home invasion that occurs, because Luther's trying to keep him, you know, under wraps so that he could do a hostile takeover of of, uh, Wayne Corp. Corp. Uh, That whole scenario just... I guess Bruce (laughs) trying... Basically, to just withdraw within himself, I could accept. But the stages of I'm going to withdraw within myself, then I'm going to become the master detective and be all the things that Batman pretty much is. Ultimately, finding I'm actually okay with finding his spaceship in the caves underneath uh, Wayne Manor. I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of a good way of getting him into the caves. But then looking up, seeing, do you see the bats? Of course you can't see the bats because I have super good vision. I am one with the bats. I've never allowed myself to fly before. It felt like, whoa. I kind of liked it, though. Oh, God. It was too much for me. I mean, the idea that a Batman can fly and just the image of that moment, I thought was really cool. I'm fine with that. I've yeah. got my opinion that I'm, I'm going to, it kind of ties in the whole book, so I'm going to hold it off <laughs> Ooh, till the end. suspenseful. Uh, yeah. But I, I did want to say, uh, I, I felt that the point that brings us to that, even, when the, uh, the people break into his house, mm-hmm. break into Wayne Manor and hold... Alfred gunpoint we later learn they're just trying to scare him but uh, I think that speaks volumes also because it's a very selfish motivation now to go out into the world because he he was obsessing over all these crimes and murders but he doesn't do anything about it until it happens to him yeah uh, that's a good read that's an interesting read about the uh, regarding this yeah, I, I, it does. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it does begin to like strain. And this is something that happens in Elseworlds, which I hope I'm not stepping on what you're going to say, Pete, is that when you've got 50, 60, 70 pages to tell your story, <laughs> at one point or other, you feel like, all right, I know you have to rush through this, but it's weird that he's yeah. like, and then I will take on the costume of a bat. I'm like, why? Bat, Bruce, the real Batman, had reasons for this. He's like, all right, how do I instill fear in... Yeah in people like why do you need to instill fear just go out and beat people up uh it it was interesting and i think the story starts to get a little wonky at this point uh dealing in with bringing in luther and a very very uncomfortable scene between luther and lois in the back of a limo 
I'm not. I'm trying to figure out how much more uncomfortable that is now in the in the climate that we live in. I think it versus is versus when it was written back in '93. I. I'm not sure. Is it, I, this couldn't have been comfortable in 93. I was going to say, is it, is it, are you saying because of the time period or the age that we were desensitized reading it to? Oh, there's a whole <laughs> lots of things to unpack on this. We could have been so young that this doesn't seem like a problem. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying could, to filter so that out. Commonplace in the 90s that, oh, yeah, a woman facing assault is well, as yeah, a plot I mean, device. And is and the, our president was doing it then and, <laughs> and not getting in much trouble for and it. It was a common thing in comics with the damsel. You be talking getting. about so many different presidents, Pete. It's very hard to parse that. There was only one going, in 93. No, I bet our president was doing that back then could mean different things. Oh, hey, yeah, good yeah. point. All right, anyways, regardless, I don't even know if we, that, that's going to be a man, Patreon Andrew special. Jackson. Yes, that jerk. What a horn dog. The reveal, what did you think about this? The reveal predictable, for, uh, very uh, predictable. Luther and, and Joker. Yeah, that was. I go beyond predictable into forced. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's like, like they, did he they, have to be? They, yeah, they 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 tried to hide it, but at that point, you're you're already mixing so much into it. You know, the forcing um, the the relaunch of the Daily Planet in Metropolis. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you know. did we need to? Uh, couldn't we have ex- given some kind of lip service explanation as to what Lex Luthor was doing in a chemical plant? <laughs> I, I, he's he's very clearly not mad scientist Luther. He's businessman like Luther. I think Luther. he's a little bit of both. Maybe. But we're also still kind of fresh from the Tim Burton Batman movie, trying to fit some sort of yeah, yeah, linear ex- thing into that too. Oh, sure. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that there's a there's a danger in Elseworlds books to try to like Easter egg as many things as possible, and this book kind of is hurt by the amount i think so uh mm. i think red sun has more room but we'll see some of these same tropes coming out over there uh you know what my review of this book changes after reading red sun so i'm gonna hold off on reviews i think until after we do red sun if you're okay interesting with that. i could agree with that yeah because at this point i'm like good premise a little heavy-handed here and there and the resolution of you know this immutable relationship between Lois and and Bruce, Clark, whatever. Can I, can I just bring is, one thing oh, up, too, yeah. real quick? The very last page, oh, splash page. Yes. I blame this artist for creating the 52 f- version of Superman. What is 15, even this? Or 15 or so years earlier. The he one, didn't have the weird headpiece. Minus the headgear. Weird headpiece. It's, it's, it's the neck. It's, it's the yeah. high neck and collar. It's, it's the cape. It's the no underwear. The no underwear. You don't understand how the no underwear is disturbing. Uh, until you see it. So, yeah, interesting book, I think. Uh, I think we've pretty much given our opinions on it, uh, but we will hold off on the review till the very end. All right, so our next book, again, came highly recommended, Red Sun. And this is a... Can I ask by who? <laughs> no, go ahead, continue. No. It, it actually does show up in a lot of lists for uh, good uh, Elseworlds books and good Superman books. This is a Mark Millar joint, right? I, if you didn't use that, I was. <laughs> yeah. It, it, if anybody deserve, other than Spike Lee deserves joint at the end, it's Mark Millar. I really wish I hadn't read that name before I started reading this book. I don't have any like I don't really have any baggage with Mike, Mark Millar at all. I some of it, it he has a tone and he definitely has a tone. It's it is there's nothing wrong with that. But like I wanted to I wish if I had read this without realizing it would I have been like 
who wrote this, Mark Millar? And scroll, scroll right to the to the top of the book. So this, the premise of this story is, um, this is a three maxi issue, I guess. Yeah, about um, fifty to sixty pages. Series where instead of landing in Smallville, Kansas, a young alien from Krypton lands in the Ukraine. Yes, yes, Soviet a, a, Ukraine, a farm collective in the Ukraine in the mid twentieth century. Yeah. Um, By the way, this is kind of like a, a genre of uh, Elseworlds tales around Superman. What where, if somebody else raised him? Yeah, it almost always f- uh, focuses on w- what if he was raised someplace else? What if the rocket landed somewhere else? I'll be I a- heard that what if the rock, as in Dwayne Johnson, I was like, what if the rock raised Superman? And I'll be like, I would that, I that comes out that, that, that Elseworlds comes out a few years later. I'll be honest, that, that was part of the reason why I recommended Speeding Bullets after I heard we were doing this. Oh, to do something a little different, you mean? No, I mean, to, to, to do the whole thing where he lands somewhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, yes, totally. And uh, this book is, um, so, <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. It deals with the same fundamental question of what does it mean to be Superman? And it comes in stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the first stage of the story is is Superman is inherently Superman, no matter what. So he's raised by these innocent, like these, uh, you know, down-to-earth farmers in the Ukraine, despite the Soviet menace and despite the fact that Stalin is using him as like a propaganda machine, he still just wants to save people. And that's his major, yeah. and that, that for me, and it takes a couple of like pages to get into that part, that the realization that Superman just wants to save people was a joy. I was like, that's pretty cool. I think a more heavy-handed approach to this would have been like, oh, Soviet Superman is uh, an oppressive tool by the regime. Yeah. Oh. And they don't quite do that. They play with it in a, he plays with it in a very interesting way. Well, yes and no. I mean, because there is the aspect that he wants to save anybody regardless. Ultimately, eventually, they will to that, yeah. you know, he's still following orders. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Sometimes he's expressly not following orders. He's, he's definitely... Uh, Way more independent than the typical way that Americans see the Soviet mm-hmm. the, the the Soviet regime and what their expectations of obedience are. Yeah, he is you definitely know, not Ivan Draco. If he was <laughs> obedient when Stalin says you should stick around for your parade, he wouldn't be flying off and like every every five minutes and putting out fires. And in fact, the book actually goes out and talks about that. Somebody questions Stalin and says, why you let him treat you that way? And he's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, anyways, yeah. he, and I like even Stalin in this. It's weird how Stalin is almost not a, not a bad guy in this, but it almost feels like he's not a bad guy exclusively because he's smart enough to be like, I'm going to take advantage of this for as long as I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We're going to win the propaganda war. Yeah. That's good enough. Real quick, too, the whole uh, Superman parade, flashbacks of Superman 1000 with that Superman day. Yeah. yeah, they're, yeah. They're <laughs> a common theme, apparently. I think it is referred to as Superman day. <laughs> yeah. uh, but actually, Frank, I'm going to go ahead and dis- disagree with you on one point. I don't think that this is really about how Superman is always Superman, regardless of how he's raised. Because he is essentially raised in the Soviet equivalent of Kansas by the Soviet equivalent of Mon Pa Kent. It's still the small, isolated, down-home, salt-of-the-earth people bringing him up with good, wholesome Soviet values. <laughs> you know, and I think that the books do a really good job of being even-handed in this. 
and not portraying the Soviets as an as an evil empire. Right. You know, they, these they at the core of both American and Soviet ideals is helping everyone. You know, everyone being uh Everyone should be safe, safe and happy, yeah. and that's the ultimate goal. It's just people have different beliefs on how to reach that point. Yeah. And I, I agree with you for the most part. Well, I mm-hmm. I do think that one of the the big twists in this, and this is like the second act of this, is that despite the fact that Superman is trying to help people, the version of Superman that is raised with communism, with the idea that the 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 government should control everything and that's how you get to peace and safety and tranquility is in the hands of this all-powerful regime mm-hmm. that superman then becomes an all-powerful dictator even though he's saving people's lives he's controlling them yeah he's, he's still one man controlling all of the world except for two countries by halfway through this book. So interestingly enough, the first yeah. person to recommend this book to me was a libertarian friend of mine. <laughs> and when you look at it that way, you're like, oh, yep, I kind of see what the issue. I'm not, I don't want to make this too much about politics, but like there is a sense that there is a balance and too much to the state in terms of uh, Superman, too much all power to the absolute leader is a problem, even if it's a benevolent leader like Superman is. Although I don't really know how beloved he was. He does some shady stuff in this book. Well, let's swap that. Uh, we talked about the, the Superman aspect. What about the Lex Luthor aspect of this? I really love Lex in this. Personally, I still saw Lex as a villain in this. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. He's I mean, definitely a villain. I mean, he's still hellbent in any universe of apparently doing anything in his power to destroy Superman. Absolutely. I love the transition, though. I love how he starts off being just a super genius who's very like useful by the government and how he ages and transitions into the Luther we know. Uh, including pulling a Superman 4 and <laughs> building his own Superman. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. In all the various stages, that is. I love how he experiments and how, how he's trying to beat the like his he's obsessed because he can't be second place and that's just brilliant or as i called him in the book sean connery superman there is a single panel <laughs> i know exactly the one you're talking about he looks mm. like sean connery in this and in, in like a doctor no type uh facility it's a weird 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 mix uh but there is a lot of weird stuff in this book that i feel doesn't quite do it for me. The robot Superman. Uh, Superman goes from I have to save everyone to I will now reprogram them with Brainiac technology. Yeah, that was odd. And a li- that was a little harsh. Uh, a lot of the transitions, time was hard to determine. Yeah. I'm not even talking about like <clears throat> when well, it gets they, they way explain, in the future. Yeah. I'm not even talking about way in the no. future. I'm thinking there's like there are moments where Superman says we got to you know so, something happens where we transition from one panel to the next and there's, there's yeah. nothing happens. Just, maybe maybe two or three panels later they say something about how it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I think the second one opens up like 20 years after the first book. But and beyond, Well, no, but it, within the books there's a couple right. of those Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Too. I think there's like a 10-year jump at one it's point. Like I can forgive the in-between acts essentially. Yeah. I'm not even and I'm not even talking about the uh, the the situations where time actually moves forward. I'm talking about things where narratively the story doesn't actually like link up well. Uh, there are certain situations where uh, 
uh, swapping the presidents in the U.S. during different time periods? Well, I'll give you one example that might be a time one. The, the America is about ready to collapse, right? And that's mm-hmm. something that happens later in the book. And Superman's convinced that I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to wait for America to co- collapse. Then finally the world will be con- all united under my Soviet regime. It'll be wonderful. And then without missing a beat, Luther is making America great again and succeeding in it. And it's not until several pages later that when I think when Lois is talking to her sister that she explains like, oh, only a few months ago there were tanks in the streets. I'm like, oh, OK. Time passed. Well, I didn't know that any time passed. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's not easy to follow the time. Well, I was confused with the Lois and Lex relationship, too, because at one point in the beginning, it, he makes the comment about cutting off their relationship. Right. And then in the next book, you find out that they stayed married. And I, I was like under the impression that they were divorcing within the first issue. He did say it, I, it was something about pausing the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I assume that over the years he eventually unpaused it. Something ridiculous. Like I think, that. It, yeah. Here's a perfect example that is not a time jump. So Stalin is poisoned by his, and this feels like it's a major storyline. It is not, it is barely a few panels. Mm-hmm. Stalin is poisoned by one of his illegitimate uh, uh, children who is uh, a kind of a rival or someone that Superman can talk off of for, for part of the story. Uh, they, they, they call for his aides call for Superman to help us. And somebody says, well, you fool, get a doctor. We don't yeah, need Superman. Yeah. And there's like, oh, Superman can do everything. He flies across. You see him reading medical journals. Superman comes back in all really like dynamic and says, I'm going to have to work on an acute cyanide poisoning cure. You do this, that, and the other thing. Literally the next page, he's dead. Yeah. Stalin is dead. So like, it's a very ridiculous scene played almost not i don't think it was played for laughs it feels like it feels totally wrong it feels like there was a there were two different ways the story could go mm-hmm. and why even introduce the fact that he could save him if you were yeah. if he was gonna die yeah. anyway like unless that the joke something was preposterous he, enough that oh he studied studied these medical journals yeah, that to, fast to learn how to cure cyanide poisoning but no he did not that to me is hilarious <laughs> and if it was yeah. intentionally hilarious which it could be it's a mark millar book then i feel like there should have been a more of a punch to that somebody somebody like his steps should have said why didn't you why did you think that would work if soviet ambush bug showed up and (laughs) made some wise crack bizarro with the u.s there's something about us on the bizarro shield yeah the the the, uh the civil war era yeah united states crest there are uh many uh many different scenarios like the one i just described that are not time jumps that are just Mm -hmm. like narrative loose ends that saturate this book. I could see that. And there was a couple of those Elseworlds shoehorn things that I'm like, I don't know, who cares? Like, why was Oliver Queen a reporter on the Daily? Yeah. Uh, When Soviet Batman is in the bar, that bartender was Superman with a mustache? Yeah, I, I thought that was going to pay off. Yeah, it did I did. It's it like, just, it just, they ran out of designs. It's a bartender who's working with Batman. Yeah. yeah. It, it, he just looks exactly like Superman. Yeah, with that, a mustache. I, I found that very odd. Superman in his time off built statues to himself. My other question, <laughs> which is at one, is at one point we find out that there's more than one Batman yeah. in here, but it's never explained. No, it's just well, they say that people took up the banner of Batman oh. because of reasons they were very upset. Yeah, if you read V for Vendetta, you probably wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and also the the fact that Batman gets introduced when he's first introduced as this child who uh, again, the same illegitimate son of Stalin kills his parents. Is that him? And I'm like, yeah, it was him. Well, 
is it? And they never directly draw those lines. I guess not. I think we're le- I think we're definitely meant to assume that. There was but they a, never connect those dots. In another Superman Elseworlds book, there's a scene of a young Batman on his knees screaming, and I'm like, yeah. enough. Uh, it was interesting, and um, ultimately, in my opinion, the payoff was worth it, I think. The realization, and the payoff, of course, is the realization that Brainiac, who is this, who's been like a tool that that uh, comrade Superman has been using to oppress people by saving everyone. Uh, also, the Wonder Woman thing, like, why does she oh. turn on him? Like, I don't... I'm, well, that was, uh, part of it was because of how the, the fight with Batman went down, and he I, let her... What happened to her? That was yeah, what I don't get. I, that's yeah. what like, I'm what, saying. Like, I don't something understand what happened bad. to her. Yeah, something bad happens when you break the lasso of truth, I guess. But I did kind of have... Isn't a, that, like, verbatim <laughs> what they said? In the, I guess. Something bad happens when you break the lasso of truth, I guess. Right. <laughs> I, I did have a, a weird thing about how the women of Superman's life, I guess, depending on how you put it, are kind of portrayed in this, where it's, it's Lois with Lex, but then she has that moment where she sees him, and it was like... I've been dreaming of you be- my whole life before I met you. Yeah. And that really doesn't go anywhere. It's nowhere. And people write poetry about this relationship forever, apparently a thousand years in the future. Like, why? Then, yeah. Fan fiction. Then <laughs> yes. we, then we, he's describing fanfic before there uh, was a word for it. Martha uh, Ma Kent is uh, glad her husband's dead. Yeah. Yeah. There's, who else is there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot well, then she the, showed up. The redhead. But, yeah. but hold on. But then you have the, uh, the Wonder Woman thing where they're trying to pawn her on to Superman to get married. Yeah. And then that really doesn't go anywhere after the incident. They, they kind of stay in touch, but we don't know. And then the Lana Lang thing is weird too, how she's introduced. And then she's, she's like a peasant that ultimately winds up in, where like oh, where she was job. working? She, she was working at the Superman Museum. Honestly, yeah. and I think all those things are. I use Oliver Queen as a bad example. I think those are better bad examples of just shooing horn traditional Superman stuff into the story where it never pays off. Yeah, at least the Lana Lang thing. I, I want to say that that was a commentary on the way politics worked in Russia. Well, I also see yeah, it as the right. fact that they did know each other as kids, and maybe that was his only way that he could do anything to help her as an adult. Yeah, it was a good. Well, it was a good explanation for why he decides. You know what? I will be president. I guess mm-hmm. uh, it. It's not that they all don't work, and truly, some of these when they don't work, it's not detrimental. It's just yeah. something. You know, yeah. it's just a weird little speed bump. Um, but where I think the story and where I stopped before is. Brainiac has been used as a tool to oppress people with saving them and making people helpless. I love that that untold Superman story of what happens when you save everyone all the time, you know, like when they become too dependent on you. It's not often told in Superman stories, although it's a perfect vehicle. There's that great conversation between Superman and Wonder Woman about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And how it pays off with Brainiac is like, listen, you never reprogrammed me. I was just using you to subjugate this planet by making it all the same. And that's my deal. That's my, uh, yeah. and I like the moment that Superman realizes he is in fact being a tyrant. He is forcing the, his will upon the world. I do think it's a little heavy-handed how it was handled mm. with the letter that was on Lois and how Superman, despite his great intellect, never figured it out before. And like, there may be some moral quandaries about <laughs> forcing everyone to be the same. But, you know, I, I appreciate that for the most part, the, the deception Millar did was good. It, 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 I didn't realize in the last few pages, like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing. The last he's, few it's pages? The, I don't even want to talk about the last few pages. I was going to say, this, yeah, right, should we right. talk about the very end? 
I, I, I like the just the final thing is I like that that it was the seeds of this were planted in the the small city which is Stalingrad I think it was yes uh, that he, Superman could not fix. I, okay. I, I like Let's, actually real quick I love the fact that yeah that the way that Luther put it was like he pulled the long con that yeah. there was fifty years in the making. So let's talk about those last few pages of this book. <laughs> My God. It was like the lost ending no one wanted. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes ending. There was a little of that too. Yeah. It, it was like uh, the the last three endings to AI. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, kind of okay, absurd. So, so Lex Luthor found a way to make people live forever almost. Because Lex Luthor basically won the hell out of the Superman-Lex Luthor war. Yeah. Turned out like all he needed was no one to stand in his way for him to be a, a benevolent dictator which what the hell was the point of the story yeah mm-hmm. um, like finally we got rid of the benevolent dictator who speaks russian yeah now we have the benevolent dictator who speaks american uh <laughs> merkin eventually uh, earth becomes this idyllic planet amazing and there's the the, the genetic science. the genetic offspring of luther and lois are and great. luther died at a ripe old age of 800 something years yeah, old yeah and, uh, and i like how they go into the offspring yeah. naming them and how naming <laughs> conventions slowly evolve over time yeah, yeah. and you you, you it's uh, it's not lex luther it's yeah. lex luth yeah, yeah, and, and the, shorten it to L. The, the alliteration payoff is, of course, that there is another Kal-El, and his parents chose to save him by sending him back into Earth's early past, early future, whatever. So, are we to believe that that future Earth is Krypton? I don't think so. Because I think they even explain that the uh, that that the sun changed into a red sun, and it's yeah. essentially, you know, I don't know it's that it's Jor-El and, and Lara. I, Here's the thing: we never established that Superman was from Krypton in this. I That's think true. the Superman from this story came from the future of yeah. an Earth that he was. It's a cyclical, yeah. Uh, existence. So here's how my review of these two books go go on. I felt a certain way after reading Blue Bullets, and then I was like, all right, well, double down for Red Sun. Uh, Does anyone want to review first? Who wants to to go first? I hated the ending of Red Sun so much. Uh I was actually expecting to find out that we were going to get Kal-El coming to Kansas Uh instead of the time travel thing, but... Red Sun for me, the first book, was so painful to read. It took me forever to get through. I thought it was slow and tedious. And I don't think it w- it built up to anything really good in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, I'll give it a good because of concept. Otherwise, I'd have to rate a lower. Um, and are we doing both? Or? Yeah, we'll do both. I loved Speeding Bullets when it came out <laughs> 20-something years ago. I still like it. It doesn't hold up nowadays, I don't think, in my eyes. Uh, so actually, you know what? If I'm going to do that, I would have to give Speeding Bullets a good and Red Sun Affair. Oh, really? Mm. So it does affect... Yeah, yeah, all right. Fair enough. I, uh... <clears throat> let's see, I'll, I'll do Red Sun first. Uh, Red Sun, I I enjoyed. I thought it was clever. I really loved the uh, the first book, <laughs> the exact opposite of Ken's. Uh, I, I loved how even-handed it was, how it was an, an exploration more than Superman, I think, uh, that looking at the inside of the Soviet Union through unbiased eyes. Uh, and I think the, the, the remaining remainder of the story was really more of a uh, ex- an examination of how even the best of intentions can become corrupted. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed the story, except for the end. 
uh, which was which just felt like it was this idea that Mark Millar has been had kicking around in his head right. for years, and he really felt the need to tack it onto this story that didn't need it. Uh, so I'll give I'll give Red Sun a near mint. All right. Um, speeding bullets. Uh, it was it was a great core concept. I, I love the idea exploring, you know, the the relationship between Superman and Batman. What if the the things were reversed? Uh, it it was poorly executed in my mind. It, it was executed in a very juvenile, unrefined, superficial way. Uh, it, it it felt like it was written by a teenager, like a teenager's fan fiction, to be honest. Uh, but I still have a soft spot for the costume design of the Batman. I do love that. Yeah. Uh, not so much the Superman. <laughs> uh, so I can... I'm torn between fair and good. I'm in a good mood, so I'm going to say good. All right. That's good enough. So, I, I, yeah, I when I first read Speeding Bullets, I or for this review, I, when I read Speeding Bullets, I was like, God, this is, you know, I really expected more. I guess I built it up over the years in my head of this great concept, but not the best execution. And there's a lot of, like, heavy-handedness in it and a lot of shoehorning story. And, like, uh, I don't know. This is kind of a fair book. It wasn't that, it wasn't that great. Uh, and I read uh, Red Sun, I saw that given many more pages and much more room, that the same problems can th- were there. And I get it. I understand that these are like iconic characters. You want to do a lot of things, and you don't have all the room in the world to do it. But I will say that I was more impressed with Speeding Bullets in how it got that point in much less space. Uh, ultimately, both stories, I think, have a near-mint concept. But in terms of execution, they were both just good. They were just good. They're fun reads. If, you, if you've if you got them, read them, enjoy them. But they're, they're there's, there's, it's quirky. It's always, <laughs> they're always, it's like Elseworlds are almost always fifth week books. They're always like, ah, uh, all right, fine. Whatever. That's the Elseworlds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it does raise some interesting questions of what it means to be Superman. And you could play around with that concept so much more in Elseworlds books than you can in the main storyline. Because you, as we'll find out in our next chapter of this review, people get very upset and you modify things core to the Superman story. If you like this podcast, please rank and review and leave us a friendly comment. It really does help a lot. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers and on all your favorite social media. Thank you all and join us next time for another episode in our Super Month. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 